when I was pregnant, I was so consumed by the thought of how is my child going to identify? How will I identify my child? And then when I actually had my child and uh, he had quite a lot of health complications, that kind of intersection suddenly became this bigger one where it was how am I going to talk to him about disability and how will his disability Mm -hmm. intersect with his identity as somebody who has African heritage and also Italian heritage on his father's side. Welcome everybody, welcome back to Rana Mai, the podcast for African mothers in Australia. And today I'm really super excited to have Lucy Cutting from The Pin on the show um, because The Pin is all about having discussions around race, identity, and culture. So welcome to the show, Lucy. It's so good to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'd like to find out, first of all, how, how did the pin come about? Uh, it seems like so long ago now. It was basically from me moving to Tasmania. So I used to live in Melbourne and I grew up in country Victoria. Um, and about five years ago, I decided to move into state just on a whim. There was nothing here that was calling me at all it was just I thought okay my job's finished up my lease is up let's do something completely different um so I moved to Tasmania and I experienced a very intense culture shock um Mm -hmm. it's not as culturally as Melbourne it's Mm -hmm. uh it's quite um there's a lot of colonial history and that colonial history is quite proudly worn by a lot of people here Mm -hmm. Uh, and I guess compounding that is people were constantly asking me where I was from and when I say constantly I mean I was getting asked you know I'd be at work and I'd be getting asked twice a night when I I was working in um, hospitality when I first moved here Um, and then I'd go to the pool the next day to exercise and I'd be asked two or three times again I was I was getting asked more than I've ever been asked to that question in my life so I became really upset by it um, and I think I, was, I started thinking about it more than I've ever had to and I guess I started thinking about how a lot of people have to have these conversations and not by choice and what mm-hmm. do these conversations mean and what does it mean for my sense of identity and my sense of placement as an Australian person, uh, yeah. as an Australian resident. So I talked to my really good friend, Ketchy, who I've known for quite a few years now. And, you know, she occasionally gets this ask, asked this question still. Um, but I guess I was talking to her about all of the thoughts I was having around this and how there's no resource, or at the time there was no resource available for people who were experiencing this. And, you know, whenever you talk to somebody um, who has an identity that's not, in quotation marks, considered Australian, they mm-hmm. have experienced this question and they have mixed feelings about it. And usually a lot of those feelings are negative and sometimes those negative feelings are towards themselves. So I guess we decided, hey, there's no resource. Let's make a resource. And that's how it started. Wow. And, I mean, you've been running it now, it looks like, for five years. So that's a long time and a lot of stories and a lot of content. And and I guess I, I, don't, I don't even remember how I came across the pin. I think either you reached out when I was doing my podcast or something, but I remember looking at it and going, whoa, these are some real stories. I actually found it quite confronting because then I was also questioning my identity in terms of my Africanness in Australia and, you know, 
how how black am I here versus there and just lots of different questions and and so this conversation is around motherhood and how we talk to our children about their identities, especially as third culture kids or kids from mixed families or mixed cultures. And I read the post that you'd written about being black and pregnant in Australia at a time when I was, and it just hit me so hard that I understood that. So could you tell us a bit about what prompted that particular um, post and also what's come out of you sharing that story of your pregnancy um, and experience with the health system here? Yeah, uh, I think what prompted it was that original question that started the pin. So that kind of where are you from question, except I guess when you're pregnant, the question isn't necessarily where are you from? It's uh, you're going to have beautiful mixed race babies. So, (laughs) Jeez, the pressure. (laughs) <laughs> I know exactly, and we joked about it as a couple. So my my partner's Anglo, um, and we joked about it initially quite a bit, kind of saying, "Oh, you know, it's not guaranteed. Nobody knows if you're going to have a beautiful baby. You know, whatever that means. Uh, beauty mm-hmm. is such a weird concept." But um, we found that as we were going to appointments it became a conversation that we were having with health professionals as well. Uh, So, you know, I went to get my first scan and the health professional asked me where I was from or what my cultural heritage was. And I said, oh, you know, my mum's Nigerian, my dad's Anglo-Australian. And I assumed that it was related to health, but then they Mm -hmm. went on to say, oh, you're going to have beautiful mixed race babies. And I just don't like that. I I really don't like it. it. It places this pressure on the child uh, that just Mm -hmm. shouldn't exist about their identity. And it's already kind of, you know, making them, I I don't know, it's objectifying them basically, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. which I find really unpleasant. And then we went to other appointments and I had this strange interaction where somebody had put on the form that I'm black without asking me and they were apologising profusely. (laughs) And it reached the point where I actually said, it's okay, I'm black, I'm okay, you know. And so all of these conversations just started this monologue in my head and I decided I needed to write about it, about that experience. Mm -hmm. And and so even with those forms, because that's what I'd written in my email to you around when a form asks you to kind of pin down what your identity is, how, how are you grappling with that now as a mum, whether for yourself and, you know, via the medical system, healthcare systems, and also for your, for your son? And, and how do I pronounce his name? Fiorenzo, is that right? Yeah, Fiorenzo. Um, yeah. So how, yeah, how do you navigate that? I find luckily it doesn't come up as much these days, so it's not really a question I have to answer as much. But I do... For example, for his childcare form, I did put that he had African heritage because I think it's important for that to be acknowledged because there might be an opportunity there for them to engage that African heritage in a positive way. Mm I do still do it for health forms as well because I have a health condition. um, I'm a carrier of physical cell anemia, which is a condition that predominantly Mm -hmm. impacts black people. So it's important that I acknowledge that in a health setting in case my health outcomes are impacted by my cultural heritage. So Mm -hmm. I do still acknowledge it, um, but it's very important to me to keep the conversation about, I guess, 
uh, keep the conversation going in a way where it relates to it for the reason it needs to relate to it, not because they're going to objectify you, not because they're going to say, oh, you know, he'll turn into some, you know, hot black man or something, which is a weird mm. conversation <laughs> I actually had with somebody. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, my God, in a, in a shop and, uh, you know, they said, oh, he's going to get all the ladies when he blackens up a bit and I almost fell oh. on the floor. <laughs> I did not know what to say to that. I I just walked out. I you know, that kind of conversation. So I'm trying to avoid that part of the discussion. I'm trying to make sure yeah. that whenever his identity is brought up, it's because it's relevant and it's not about objectifying it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, bless him up a little <laughs> bit. Gosh. Um, yeah. So I, I guess with, with my situation, I had my daughter Maya last year and same thing. Uh, my partner is, oh, thank you. And same to you, by the way. Um, hello, new mums. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I think one thing that also struck me about you is you talking about how you've got a black mother and a white father, which is the case for Maya and just these really interesting conversations about, you know, language about, you know, is she just black or is she, why is she black and not white? And like, is she like all these really amazing conversation, but conversations, but also questions that I've kind of gone, wow, I've never really had to think about this kind of stuff in this way because I grew up in Zimbabwe, lots of black people around me. I just knew I was black. I'm black. I'm African. I'm here in Australia. I'm black. I'm African. It's all good. I'm black. I kind of never really needed to unpack that in a way. Mm. And then, you know, reading things like your your site and then also just having a lot more conversations around um, race and identity come up, especially in these times. Suddenly it's like, whoa, what do I think? How do I feel? And, um, yeah, so I guess, you know, talking to you and and listening to how you grew up in a family that had African and Anglo or white heritage and cultures. Uh, my question is also like looking back on your childhood, are there things that stood out that were, um, I guess, things that could have, that you wish could have been better explained or things that could have, that I guess, what am I trying to ask? I guess I'm looking as a parent now for Maya and, and for all our listeners as well who have kids in this situation, like are there things that we should be aware of from the children's point of view of how mm. we put our Africanness or our Angloness or whiteness or whatever on them? Yeah, I think it's quite different now. I think it's important to acknowledge that it's very different now and uh, I think kids have a lot more opportunities to express themselves now and that expression is a lot more accepted I think mm. when I was growing up uh, and I went to a small country town school, um, I, I think there were only a few hundred students, and what I found was when I hit, you know, that age where you start to become a little bit more aware of yourself and you start to think about, oh, am I attractive? Uh, is that person mm. interested in me? That became a really difficult age for me because I didn't look like anyone else in the school um, at all. My sister was in high school and I was in primary school. Um, and mm. I felt really unattractive. Uh, and mm. I guess. So can I ask why that was or what, what was it specifically? 
Well, I didn't look like anyone and I didn't look like anyone in the magazines that told me that these are beautiful women. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't even, because we're in a small country town, there wasn't really anyone even in the community for me to connect that to either. You know, it was just my Mm -hmm. mum and my sister. Um, And then, I, you know, there was perhaps one Asian family in the town um, and one uh, Indigenous family who talked about being Indigenous openly and then everyone else was kind of white. And so, you know, I'd look around and I'd say, I don't have the right nose to be attractive. I don't have the right skin colour. I don't have the right hair. I don't look right when I wear surfer brands. It doesn't suit. (laughs) And so I just didn't have that confidence that I was somebody who other people would find attractive. I think that so the visibility that happens now where there's, you know, Instagram and other types of social media and there's uh, different types of bodies and faces and cultures in magazines I think is so important to young people and I think it's so important for them to see those different types of beauty and to see them Mm -hmm. celebrated. I think that's a big thing that I learned growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. I think also what I've learned from talking to other people through the pin is how race and identity is discussed by the family. Uh, So, you know, quite often I'll talk to somebody through the pin and I'll say, you know, did your family talk about race and culture? And they'll say no. And they would have experienced bullying when they were a kid relating to the fact that they were black or Asian or whatever culture they came from but their family didn't talk about it and so they didn't have that support network that they needed to explore it in a positive way you know and I do remember there were a couple of times that I was bullied when I was a kid and I do remember there was one particular instance where uh, I can't remember what the other kids said but basically I'd been skipping rope and this kid said something racist. And instead of kind of cowering away from it, I just grabbed the skipping rope and whipped it in their direction. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, get a taste of this. Um, but oh, yeah. when we went to the teacher's office, the teacher said to the other kid, if you were adults, you could be charged for what you said to her. So the teacher was in my corner and that was so important because I could see that what that kid had done was really wrong. Instead of telling me, you know, you go to detention, you shouldn't have done that with the skipping rope. They actually supported me. And so I did have that. I I became quite a confident person and I didn't put up with stuff because I had that backing. So those are, I guess those are little things that I've learned. I think really looking out for, yeah, positive representation Uh, in beauty and having conversations about race but it should be the conversations should be quite constant it shouldn't be when something bad happens Mm. it should be a positive Mm -hmm. experience as well I I definitely agree with that and and so then when do you feel like you came into your Lucy-ness (laughs) myself um (laughs) I think It took a long time and I would say it wasn't until I was an adult and I was living in Melbourne City. I remember, and Ketchy remembers us having a conversation where I said, oh, nobody likes me, nobody finds me attractive. And she basically said to me, you're an idiot, and we went out. (laughs) 
And, you know, I found so much confidence in that friendship and just meeting mm-hmm. someone else who I could talk to about my really frustrating curly hair and, you know, learning uh, different styles for my hair as well and learning to love it a bit more as well. Just having that friendship yeah. became really important to me becoming who I am now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love, like right now I'm looking at the page of both of you on the pen and, yeah, I, I love the warmth that I feel as and obviously your friends, but I love there's something there and there's something really kind of honest about the heart of what you're trying to do. And I, I find you quite inspiring um, looking at this because I think you're right about having those honest conversations that sometimes do feel uncomfortable or challenging. And it's great having a resource there that people can, can look to. Mm. And, and so I was going to say um, in terms of, I'm really curious, how has your mother's side of the family, um, how have they and how did they receive you and your, yeah, you as you are as a child? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's something that I've found interesting along the way is sometimes when kids grow up and they've got the African family, and, you know, cultures are so different, but African way of seeing something is like or the way that they speak to kids who are, you know, of mixed heritage. It's quite it's quite interesting as well. So I'm curious, did you ever have any experiences, whether it was when you traveled to Africa, if you have or with family where you sometimes are also confronted by how your black family you know well engage with you yeah mum was the only person in her family to move to Australia uh, and mm-hmm. from her family she's only had her two of her sisters visit and her mother visit but uh so mum and dad met in Nigeria and dad was traveling there and he was also working as a teacher there and when they met mum's family basically said to her if you marry this man we will disown you basically in so many ways. So she made a very difficult choice um, and that did have ongoing ramifications. And I think, you know, in saying, like I can say right now, you know, when my uh, African grandfather passed away, he left us children off his list of grandchildren. But that's more Mm -hmm. of a reflection of what happened in the past with his relationship with my mother as opposed to him not loving us, I guess. And my uh, umma, my uh, Nigerian grandmother, when she visited, she very much loved us, you know, and there was no kind of judgment um, in terms of what kind of children we were. I think she could could see that we'd had a different upbringing to perhaps what she would expect us to be. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we probably talked back a little bit more than than her other grandchildren would. And I think we probably weren't punished as severely as some of her other grandchildren would be when we were naughty. Um, But I think she could see and understand that cultural difference. And I've had that with my aunties as well from my mum's side. And I actually find that we have a really lovely relationship, me and some of my Um, mum's sisters and their children as well I actually talk to their children quite regularly um, online as well so 
it's hard to say without growing up with them constantly if perhaps that relationship would be quite different. And I know that there's some things that I do that they wouldn't approve of. I have tattoos, I have short hair, uh, I have a child out of wedlock. Uh, so, mm, preach. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Oh, hello. <laughs> I think that stuff is just looked over. Um, I think that they would like to think I am just married, even though I'm not. And, you know, they refer to my partner Mark as my husband and I just let that go. Yes. I think it's all about just yes. letting some of it go and they let go their judgments of me and that's how we meet in the middle. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So many things I could relate to. <laughs> just that. <laughs> Everything from the aunties to the he's your husband now and blah blah blah. So um and I love that so so much. And I think that's that's what's been a joy having Maya and my partner Dale is just then when our families have met and just kind of really enjoying both worlds and and learning so much. My goodness, I think having having a child has really reopened my eyes as well to be more compassionate as well. I, I didn't even realize some of my own prejudices about lots of things and lots of, you know, ways of thinking or people, situations. And mm. I'm, I'm kind of really enjoying relearning mm. a lot of these things and, and suddenly being open to seeing the work that other people have done. So other young mothers, so like you and Kechi, I mean, I know she's not a mum, but like as in other young women African women in Australia and suddenly going whoa Ooh. there's so much magic here how do we just gather this up for our kids and for ourselves and yeah, kind of yeah. jumping on that train and loving it I can really also and, appreciate um, the difficulties of raising kids from two cultures as well because I've said to my mum before why didn't you teach me your language I wish I could speak that language but now I'm raising my own child and you know you're so tired you're so time you're just trying to fit in reading them a few books a day in amongst just getting on with your life, you know, so that you can make sure that they get read to a lot and stuff like that and they get fed properly and, you know, you're just making sure you're doing the basics sometimes. Um, and so I can really yeah. appreciate that, yeah, I didn't learn how to speak my mum's language but, you know, I've been able to now experience other little aspects of her culture as a mother you know I some of the food that I cook is very much inspired by how she cooked and the kind of African flavors that she introduced us to and you know even something as simple as the way that you carry your child um mm -hmm. you know carry your child mm -hmm. on your on your back and learn how to tie your child to your back like your mother would and that's something that's so simple and so beautiful that you can pass on so I really appreciate how time poor my parents would have been and how difficult it would be to make sure that you integrate both cultures yeah it's work it's yeah. definitely work yeah <laughs> good it has it has the joys but it, you're right it's also work and so um I guess in, in regards to the pin and what you're currently doing or what you're working on now are you still looking for people to come and contribute stories or anything like that because I guess with our listeners we're starting to see I think so far we've got about 40 mothers in our Facebook group. So, and they have stories and they're like posting stuff or commenting. So I, we can feel like a buzz of stories and interest to share. 
and so I was curious about are there opportunities with the pen for people to to share that how do, how does it work if people want to yeah sure. get involved with what you do yeah we're always interested in um story pictures from people and we um do pay for articles that are put up on the pen um we're also mm-hmm. always keen to interview people who want to share their story and I completely welcome a full inbox of people who want to be interviewed if they're not you know, into writing. Uh, We also do do events Mm -hmm. and we had been working on an event prior to coronavirus. Uh, So unfortunately we've had to put that on the back burner, Um, but hopefully uh, we will be able to have another event in Melbourne, we're hoping, and it was actually about motherhood. So um, really hoping that that happens (laughs) because it would be such a beautiful experience to celebrate motherhood with a lot of women um, and their partners, or, mm-hmm. you know, who, whoever wants to attend, basically. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that we're definitely still chipping away at things. I think our ability to pump out, you know, interviews, because we used to do so many interviews a year and now we've found, oh, you know, Ketchy's doing a master's degree, I have a child. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a bit mm-hmm. trickier, but we're definitely still welcoming it. Okay, and what's the best way for for people to contact you then if they want to do yeah, that? Yeah, it's our email. So it's just hello at thepin.org. Okay, well, I'll, I'll put that in the episode notes and I'll also link to your site and your Instagram, which has lots of cool photos on there, by the way. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with what you shared today. It's really insightful and so nice to just ask questions and, and speak to someone who's in the same boat, um, but also someone who has a heart for, yeah, the community and these, these conversations. Yeah, thank, so, you so thank you so much for, for coming on the show. If I can add one last thing. Um, I think that yes. in terms of identity, I think that when I was pregnant, I was so consumed by the thought of how is my child going to identify? How will I identify my child? Uh, all of those questions. And then when I actually had my child and uh, he had quite a lot of health complications, that intersection of identity and, you know, that kind of intersection suddenly became this bigger one where it was how am I going to talk to him about disability? How will I Mm -hmm. uh, explore this with him in a positive way? And how will his disability Mm -hmm. intersect with his identity as somebody who has African heritage and also Italian heritage on his father's side. And so I think yeah, as, you know, a parent who's been through that experience, I think also be open to not being rigid about what, about what identity will look like for your child because it is quite possible that that will morph into something else mm-hmm. and something that needs to be just as addressed as African heritage, as important as that is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is such a good point. As you're saying that, I was even feeling like the fact that he's got a name, his name is Fiorenzo and her name is Maya. I don't know if you're finding this, but they're, they're their own people. Mm. Like, so Maya, we can't, we can't put her, our finger on, on, like she's Maya to mm. us. She's, she's got her own personality that we can't articulate just by this is what she looks like and this is the box she fits, fits mm. in. And I think... I, I kind of like that as well as in, you know, honoring that alongside, you know, those other, you know, labels around race and identity, but just who, who they are, mm-hmm. who, 
they are as they are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, oh gosh, I feel like we have lots of things we can talk about. You've touched on disability. Dis- you have, you've touched on disability, which I think is a really important topic to, to maybe later at some stage talk about as well. And um, yeah, because, because I think as you were talking about the intersection of different things, I remember listening to some podcast about how, you know, um, for black people, we talk, and we experience race a lot. And then there's, you know, intersectionality. There are all these other different things. But sometimes also how we are to other people who are marginalized, whether it's, um, you know, gender or sexuality stuff or disability, sometimes we're not great mm-hmm. at that. And so I've also had to learn a lot because my partner works with artists with disabilities. And before I was with him, I just was clueless. Mm. (laughs) As in, like, I would do the usual stuff, like, you know, the usual same questions or talk talk at people and not to them and just a lot of things that I've had to learn. But that's come out of really good, hearty conversations. Mm. So the fact that you've dropped that in there, I think, I'd I'd love to have a chat about that at some point as yeah, well. Excellent. If you're keen to come back, yeah, totally. <laughs> Great. Well, um, yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, and to the listeners, if you have questions for Lucy or Ketchy, you can find them at thepin.org. And then with us, we're still Village at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at vanamai.village. That's our handle. Uh, Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Taku. And thanks again for popping by, Lucy. Thank you. See you, everyone. Bye. Bye.